Welcome back to an all-new episode of Dirtcast. I am your co-host, Madeline Davies. I am your other co-host, Megan Reynolds. And today's episode is a longtime dream of mine mm. finally coming into fruition. We're doing a special on CBS's very short-lived reality show, Kid Nation, which is uh, about a bunch of kids trying to form a society without adults um, and all of the ethical and moral uh, <laughs> implications that lie within. Joining us are two cast members from the show, Mike Kling and Michael Tote. Mike right away is thrown into like a leadership role, which he they did not prepare him for in any way. And so he gets a lot of flack pretty quickly. And then Michael was sort of like the golden boy of the show in that he was very smart and thoughtful and alternative and people uh, just were really big fans. But before we get into that interview, which is meaty and uh, exciting and funny. Full of laughter. Full of laughter. Lots of laughter. Uh, a tear brought to my eye. Also same. A happy tear, which is rare for me a these happy days. and then a wistful tear for me personally. I would like to ask my friend Megan, mm. what's up, girl? Nothing much. This episode will be airing on my birthday. <gasps> Everybody say happy birthday to Megan. I'm taking the rest of the week off to indulge in being a birthday princess. I don't even know what that means. It means literally just not working is the best gift you can give yourself, I think. I think that is the best gift you can give yourself. How are you? You were somewhere fun recently. Yeah. I was Tell in, us. Tell I was me. in New Orleans mm. with uh, former Jezebel deputy editor, Dodi Stewart. Mm -hmm. um, and it was so much fun. I'd yes. never been before. Ugh, it's the best city. I feel like I ate a bajillion things yes. and all of them tasted incredible. Mm. The servings there are crazy. Quite so large. just like I had the praline bacon so there. So good. Literally called pig candy. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, also like it just feels like a different country. Yeah. Like the fact that you can just like get fucked up on the street Weird. is wild. One night we went to the Cat's Meow, which is a a very touristy mm -hmm. but beloved karaoke bar that's like on Bourbon Street. Mm -hmm. Um, and we walk in, and one of the people I was with just goes, is that Kirsten Dunst? And it was. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then – so that was, like, already kind of crazy. Right. And then suddenly Beth Ditto gets on stage. It's fucking insane. Um, and just, like, sings the most incredible version of uh, Fancy by Reba McIntyre. That is bonkers. Yeah, it was wild. And then – in this moment, Kirsten Dunst came up to us and offered us a jello shot. Again, also insane. My friend is like, you shouldn't just like take drinks from somebody. It's and I Kirsten was like, Dunst. I was like, if I get roofied by Kirsten Dunst, like, like all right. I, not to make light of it, but like, come on, I'll, I'll figure, <laughs> I'll figure it out later. Um, but yeah, it was like she had a bunch of extra. And so she just like went around the bar offering them to people. What an angel. What a town. What a town. It's a great, um, it's a great place. But yeah, I'm currently like off alcohol and sure. a lot of things. I'm just like, I got to take a break. Every time I go there, I, um, I'm always like, I really want a salad. I just need a fucking, a leaf. And it's then like impossible to find greens. At one point I was like sending him pictures and my boyfriend was like, hey, uh, do you think we should just like move to New Orleans? We should. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, but like only if we want to die early but happy. True. I mean, it's my ultimate. It's my. It's my final destination. Yeah. It's New Orleans. Sounds great. It's where it I want to like live a good plan. forever. Thank you. It's my five-year plan. Let's get the fuck out of this rat hole. Just kidding. Or um, I? I mean, an interesting fact about New Orleans is that yes. all of the burials are above ground. Mm -hmm. Um, so they don't really get that dirty. 
Uh? <laughs> <laughs> Megan. Maddie. Yes? Are you ready to pivot to the dirtiest dirt of the I've week? never been more ready in my fucking life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm just keep our, it simple. Uh, I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav bros. Good job. So Saturday Night Live made its illustrious return. Yay! Yay. Um, Adam Driver was the host, that big-bodied man. I, I love him. I can't help it. Big slab of man was the host. He's a giant. He is a giant. He's a giant yes. man. Kanye West was the musical performer, which... <laughs> I am going to not give him the attention that he wants. Yeah, moving on. Um, <laughs> as we all know, Pete Davidson is on Saturday Night Live, and he has had a very busy summer publicly making out and running from the paparazzi with his fiancée, Ariana Grande. Naturally, they address this during Weekend Update, my least favorite segment. Uh, <laughs> Joe's. <laughs> um, they like trotted. It's because you like Colin Joe's too much, it's right? It's because You're my like, love. Don't limit it to these yeah. this five minutes. Yeah. My segment. love and sexual attraction to Colin Jost is such that I, I need more. That's, That's not true. Good. Yeah. Disgusting. So, yeah, they trotted Pete out to make some like gentle jokes about his relationship with Ariana Grande. He made a couple of jokes about how the power dynamic in their relationship is off because she's <laughs> she's the breadwinner and he is just like, like, <laughs> whatever. Also, like, how does that mean the power dynamic is off? You know, or it's like, just like, yeah, he made a joke. Some weird sexism that's yeah. built into our culture. That's true. Thank you, Maddie. He made some gross jokes about how he replaces her birth control with Tic Tacs. Uh, yeah, last night I switched her birth control with Tic Tacs. Uh, no, I believe in us and all. But, you know, I just want to, like, make sure that she can't go anywhere. Didn't, like, Ian Summerhalder make some weird joke about, like, replacing Nikki Reed's birth control pills. Yes. Those jokes are always, like, so... These jokes are so terrible. I mean, I always assume that, like, they have cleared the joke with with their their partners before, and they're like, no, it's funny. But I just am always like... I would murder. They're still together. The bet is still on. I forget that... I actually forget the terms that the limit, like, the... What our bet was? Oh, it was a year that they make it a year. They make it a year. No, t- it wasn't that. It was. No. it was that they get married. They just just that they get married, and it's five dollars and a pack of gum. That's right. Thank you for keeping. Thank I you. would like to be. I would like to lose the bet. <laughs> Will I? I don't know. I'm not sure. Thank you for keeping me accountable. Here's another item about love. Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin actually got. They did get married after all, when they went to the courthouse to like. They were photographed outside a courthouse. 
I thought we knew that. I think they had said, like, we got married, but, like, we were going to have, like, a God ceremony or whatever. Right. And then now I think they're like, never mind. We just got married, but there's no prenup. All right. Get yours early. All right. Smile. <laughs> okay. Timothy Chalamet and Lily Rose Depp are dating, I guess. Yeah. I saw that report, too. Yeah. Here's my thing, though. Okay. Just because two early 20 somethings make out at a mud coffee does not mean that they are like dating. I mean, if they are, they're a very pretty couple. True. A very like delicately featured couple. Just like a very sort of fine, like. Yeah. Very like um, a very like pixie like couple. Yeah. A very clear and pure of skin kind of situation. But I feel like Timothee. Is uh, really, Timmy. like, the type to, like, get after it. Oh, 100. Um, oh, yes. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. Just like. I just mean, like, you're young. He's living his life. Um, but he's young and hot. But again, I think these are two young and hot people. And, like, why not? Just be young and hot why together. Why not, like, rub your mouths, you know? I agree. I agree. Um, well, they were spotted, as I said, at a mud coffee truck in New York. And that definitely means they're in love getting married, and dating. Yes, it's true love forever. Yep, congratulations. Here's another love that involves Timothy that I feel like is more pure in a different way. Army Hammer, who is his co-star in Call Me By Your Name, wrote a weird sort of love letter to him in Variety. They released an issue that features like different celebrities writing love letters to other celebrities. And this quote I just wanted to highlight because just the thought of Army Hammer writing this is hysterical to me. I was given the gift of witnessing his meteoric rise firsthand, much of it happening over the short span of our press tour for Call Me By Your Name. It felt like his metamorphosis from a young, quirky, and beautiful boy, pardon the pun, (laughs) to a savvy, self-possessed, and in-demand leading man happened before all of our eyes. But I still don't know if it was Timmy who was reborn or if it was a matter of us coming to realize exactly who he is and what he is capable of. I think that's very nice. It's sweet. It's just a lot. What I like the most about this is that he was called Timmy. But that's like what all of his thing. friends know him, right? Is it? Yeah, because that's how like Ansel Elgort oh. uh, refers to him and they're like old pals. It's like, oh yeah, Timmy. It's, it's nice, nice to read someone saying something nice. It's nice when people are nice. Something that I think like once a month. And this is the time. This is I will I will rescind my my blackened cynicism and you know what you do what makes that you feel the best thank you i will try it's filling your heart with hate uh sometimes <laughs> you know it's sometimes that works really yeah, well and it's true these next two items are stupid like arguably very stupid we do have a very good entree point we with timote we his buddy Ansa Algort is mm. going to be tony in the steven spielberg adaptation of west side story I was having a big think about this this Worry, morning. Tell me. I saw it just as I left the house and, like, did not have time to process it. So West Side Story is one of my favorite movies. Okay. So my first reaction was, like, just, it's perfect, leave it alone. Right. And then I thought about it for a second, and I was like, it's actually far from perfect, and it's, like, a pretty problematic movie. That's true. A lot of brown face happening in it. Totally. And then I was like, Tony is, like, kind of like a saccharine dope. Also true. Also, like... He's Polish. True. Um, and that I, like, think that maybe, like, this is not bad casting. Twist. I know. I, wow. I'm surprising myself more <gasps> than anybody. I mean, my goodness. But I'm just like, one, it's like we'll still always have the original. That's true. And all of its, uh, in all of its issues will <laughs> remain. True. But, like, depending on how they, like, do the soundtrack, like, I think if they, like, overproduce it, it'll be horrible. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm like, maybe, maybe there's something that could kind of work. Does Ansel know how to sing? Yeah. He went to lag, man. Thanks. He went to LaGuardia, which is a performing arts high school. <laughs> uh, that uh, is uh, produces a lot yeah. of stars, and it's also portrayed in Fame. But yeah, he like does he, he like did musicals growing up. It's like another oh okay Ansel okay. and uh, Timmy gotcha, uh, gotcha. anecdote is that uh, Ansel would get all of the parts in the musicals. Okay, okay. Admittedly, I know very little about Ansel Elgort except that Jezebel's departed, Ellie Sheckett. He is her sworn enemy. I think because I think it's partially because she's secretly horny for him. Sure. You know what? And many of our sworn enemies are people that we are indeed secretly horny for. It's true. It's true. Um, life and love work in mysterious ways. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, I'm less upset than I expected myself to be. We'll see. All I'm saying is that Ansel as Tony is not horrible casting. Okay. They cast Christian Bale in a musical and he's <laughs> the worst singer and dancer ever. So, oh God. And that's a cult classic. Okay. Talking about newsies, folks. She is. She is. It is a cult classic. Okay. Judgment on the shelf for the moment. Once like a trailer or stills come out, I may completely rearrange. I can't wait. I can't wait to continue to further this conversation. This last item is the headline. And then what actually happened are hilarious to me in different ways. So this was on People this morning. Jamila Jamil reveals she developed seizures after trying to eat a cookie off the floor. Damn. And my something I've done so many times. <laughs> my initial thought was like, oh my God, what kind of floor did she drop the cookie on? Like, what horrible like superbug was on the cookie that d- gave her a seizure? Like, why have why is this the first time we're hearing about this? Holy shit, et cetera. Then I clicked on it because I I must know. And it <laughs> what they omitted is that the reason she got the concussion is because she dropped a cookie on the floor and was like, I'm gonna eat that cookie, bent down to pick up the cookie, hit her head on the corner of like a table and gave herself a concussion. <laughs> which is unfortunate. And if people don't know who she is. Yes. She's Tahani on the good place. She's Tahani on the good place, a fun little television program that is back. She's a really interesting person. She is. I was listening to another podcast. Sorry. Wow. I was listening to Nicole Byer's podcast, which is called Why Won't You Date Me? And she was the guest. And she just, like, talked a lot about her childhood and growing up. And, like, she got signed to be a model at 15 Mm. and, like, developed a horrific eating disorder. Yeah. And then was hit by a car. Oh, my God. And broke her back. (laughs) But she, like, credits that with, like, saving her life in a way and that it's, like, wow. made her ha- like, have to, like, reframe her entire gotcha. diet. She runs an Instagram account that's called, like, The Good Body Project or something. It sounds weird to be, like, it's an anti-body shaming Instagram account, but I think no, that's, that like, is what it they, is. That's, yeah. it's, like, that's its purpose. Um, she's tweeted an awful lot about Kim Kardashian. Yeah, kind of more as, like, a concept than – the woman, you yes, know, it's yes. like kind of about like these, this really famous family that's so rich and yeah. they're like still selling like diet. appetite, like yeah. the appetite suppressing lollipops is I believe what made her pop off. Yeah. I don't know. Which it's just, fair. um, I just, if you, if you got a moment, I would listen to that podcast just because it's very intriguing. Huh. I didn't know that. And I, I love to learn and I will.
So in our upcoming interview, we have two very special guests, uh, Mike Kling and also Michael Tote, who are two cast members from the CBS show Kid Nation, which ran in 2007 for one lone season. And it was sort of a Lord of the Flies-esque experiment where 40 kids were dropped in a uh, supposed ghost town in New Mexico and expected to form a functioning society. This is Bonanza City, New Mexico, or what's left of it anyway. The pioneers who ran this place back in the 1800s ran it into the ground. Lack of leadership and lack of will combined to leave this town completely and totally dead. But that's about to change. Now, 40 new pioneers will try to fix their forefathers' mistakes and build a town that works. It won't be easy. Pioneer living is tough. And the amazing part is, these pioneers are children. That's right, the oldest just turned 15. The youngest is eight and a half. They are every kind of kid imaginable. City kids, country kids, rich, poor, and everything in between. And they're on their way here right now. Joining us today, we have two of the kids of said nation who are now men. Um, we have Mike Kling and, yeah, and Michael Toad. Welcome, guys. We're so excited to um, have you here and to like bring you together again, but under like less rustic circumstances. Less stressful circumstances also, oh, one hopes. Wow. Yeah, Definitely. it's all, all of the above. All of the above. Right. Let's start off um, just like one at a time. Like, Mike, if you want to go first, can you tell us how you ended up on the show and what the casting process was like? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, involved in actually a theater very near to where I'm uh, living right now, where I'm sitting right now, uh, called Village Theater here in Issaquah, Washington. And I was doing um, just like youth theater there. And I guess they got a phone call one day and they said, uh, can you um, recommend 40 names uh, that we can, you know, get on phone interviews and uh, check out for the show? And and that kind of led to an hour long, hour plus probably like phone interview process. And then uh, going down to like the local CBS affiliate and doing um, camera testing stuff and um, and doing a lot of on-camera interviews like that. And then going down to uh, Los Angeles and it was all very wild and fancy and I don't I didn't know anything about Hollywood or anything like that. So it was pretty crazy. And they like interview just lots and lots of interviews with more progressively more important people until they called me and said, you're in. Um, <laughs> They're like, do you own a cowboy hat? One, <laughs> do, they, two. Yeah, they were like, hey, um, if you own a cowboy hat, uh, bring them. Those are encouraged for all contestants. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's, th- that's great because I, I just got this this great cowboy hat on vacation. So, uh, well, you know, I will I'm, say, I'm like, sure you, not bring it. you wore that hat. <laughs> I wore that hat. Oh, man. Um, and Michael, was it sort of the same process for you? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's funny hearing it from somebody else's perspective, because I think the story always sounds so weird when I tell it. But then, like, kind of hearing Mike go over it, it's like roughly <laughs> exactly the same, where they just kind of bombed in on an organization I was involved in and knocked on their door. Uh, basically, here in Washington, I was playing in a, um, like a music program in the summer, and I think essentially the way the way they do it, kind of like how 
Mike implied is they look for organizations that kind of have maybe like some of the archetypes they're looking for. Yeah, totally. And right. so I think they were definitely looking to fill their like long-haired Seattle quota. <laughs> and so they were kind of like, they were knocking on doors of like music programs and stuff like that. Now I was one of the names they had put forward and like sure enough, pretty much exactly as Mike said, it's like this really weird, steady, but long escalation that eventually, you know, they kind of tell you, well, we're flying you down to LA and like real auditions are beginning, but it all started with talking in at the local CBS affiliate, doing some like phone interviews. I think I had to fill out like a huge packet of questions too. Oh, huge questionnaire. Yeah. That's yeah. Which like, I don't, I don't remember the specifics of it. I remember it was like a huge pain in the ass now, but, um, Oh yeah. What did your parents think of this whole thing? Did they take convincing or were you just like super excited for it? So they're like, yeah, all right. It's basically summer camp, but on TV. My mom is definitely kind of a, uh, kind of a stage mom of sorts. So, you know, she was all over it. Um, yeah. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as she got the call, you know, she's like, it's like our director and stuff and she's a friend and it's like, okay, this doesn't sound sketchy. It's a, uh, it actually sounds really exciting, like CBS primetime. So my mom was all over it. She was like, I'm flying down to LA with you. Like, she's like, I'm going to invite every single person we've ever met uh, <laughs> to, to come watch all the, you know, to come watch all the episodes when it airs. And uh, she was absolutely stoked. Um, how about you, Michael? TV wasn't like a big part of our family or anything. So they weren't like necessarily enthused about it. Uh, they, they weren't opposed either. I think they were just, more or less, like, bemused by it. <laughs> um, yeah, because, like... It's still what very, you... very Seattle. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, what do you say if you're not super into reality TV, you don't know too much about it, and then one day they're like, hey, we think your 14-year-old has, like, <laughs> the personality that we want to isolate in the New Mexico desert. You bring up personality, and I feel like both of you filled really particular roles um, in that, you know, Mike, you were sort of like the, I don't know, dare I say, sort of nerdy, yeah, like, rule keeper. <laughs> it's okay. You can, you can lay into me. I was, uh... No, I mean that from, like, a sweet, like, I don't know. I think it's, like, I, I as far as, it, like— I took running the town very seriously. Which yeah, is exactly. Great, which is great. Very seriously. <laughs> No, I mean, and you, like, really threw yourself into town council, and I just think, I think history will remember you as the bold leader that you were trying to be. I guess this is so, such a silly uh, feather to put in my cap, but, you know, the first episode is titled, I'm Trying to Be a Leader Here, which, of course, was, uh, was me. <laughs> you know, I'm tired, too, but I'm here making an effort to try and make this work. I'm trying to be a leader here, and it's just really disappointing. We all want to go to sleep. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, it's so funny because I just, I didn't choose to be on the town council from the, from the get-go. I, uh, I just, uh, you know, wanted to be on the show and then they right. kind of called me back and were like, oh, and, uh, by the way, um, you're going to be having kind of a, a special part from the get-go here. There's like a bunch of unaired stuff where they went to town council members, like houses and like, uh, saw us off and stuff. And it, it didn't really make it into the, didn't really make it into the show. Um, and then right. the they're like, we only like, want to see these kids in pain. Like, oh. that's all we want is to see them under duress. I also, right. I like how they set you guys up for success, too, by like... Putting us in a helicopter and immediately, yeah, yeah. like... Uh, they had right 36 of us. 
36 yeah, of us there, and, like, we can count and figure out there's, like, four missing, and they're, like... I don't remember exactly how it happened now, but there's the whole tease thing they do in reality TV where it's, like, and your leaders are arriving right now. But don't worry. You've got each other. You've also got four leaders. And they were chosen because they represent all of you in age, geography, everything. They're your town council, and I think I hear them coming right now. And it's yeah. <laughs> you guys like literally soar in on like a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, well, we've been yeah. on like this dusty fucking bus ride for like an hour. Yeah, that was, and for us, it's like you know, there. Um, we definitely had our reservations too, where. Uh, they put us in the helicopter and we're like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and then we kind of, as soon as we get off the get off of it and start talking to the um, the other 36 kids, we realized that like, oh man, these guys have just been on this bus for like God, <laughs> six hours, eight hours on a school bus. And oh, I, I can see now. I can see what they did to us. Okay. That's, okay. It's such a yep. it's such a bummer because you were like so stoked with your hat and your le- you're like ready to lead. Oh, I'm feeling like really stressed and really worried. It's just been really tough. I guess I'm just gonna have to keep pushing. Yeah. Get dropped off in a helicopter and they just like swat you down real quick. Everybody was like, okay, these assholes. It's uh, funny because right. they're like, oh, let's let kids start a society because they're like, have all this naivety and innocence. But let's also make sure that the leaders show up like an aristocratic, like, <laughs> carriage yeah. of some yeah, sort. Yeah, let's immediately institute some um, some social uh, some social division there. I was re-watching the first episode prior to this interview, and there's like, I love at the beginning where they're like, kids from all over the United States, some are rich. Some are poor, and then it just like zooms in on one kid who just like probably just like I'm I'm fine. Like, what are you talking about, yeah. Come on, man? Yeah, it, it was definitely very. Um, they definitely try to do that kind of thing. I was thinking about what you said um, earlier, Michael, about like how they were they would try and reach in and grab certain archetypes when they were casting the show. And I remember like there, you could definitely see like the the groups of kids like um, Greg and. Um, kind of Emily and Randy and all those guys from Nevada. There was like a pretty big group of kids from Reno area. And it was things like they got me from the theater. They got Greg from the rodeo, you know? I'm not like trying to project. I mean, obviously like reality TV is like really Mm -hmm. manipulated, but like the scene where like you stand up to Greg is like really brave. Greg, since he's all big and strong and older, he would try and break me down. That's sure what it felt like. He was trying to break me down hard. Do you play it down? Whoa, whoa, stop, stop. Please, Mike, Mike, Mike. You want me to take charge, I'll take charge. Mike, what are you doing? I know, but everybody's left. Greg made me really mad. He pushed me to, like, my limit. I don't know. Like, I feel like... I never would have done that. How old were you, 11? (laughs) It was a wonderful three-act play um, or whatever, uh, with (laughs) or three-man play with me and Greg and Michael in that scene. Uh, It's uh, it was really intense. Actually, that was not any like scripted or anything. That was just um, I just like had a big mouth, and uh, 
I just, as soon as he tried to big time me, I was like, well, uh, that's not going to happen. I'm just going to have to uh, ride this one out. Um, and it was kind of scary. Um, I still get, yeah, I, I get worked up just thinking about it now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Which yeah, sounds, well, it, it sounds hilarious, but like, I definitely was like keyed up for that s- situation too, because it was like the first day we were there. And I remember oh, yeah. going into that, that I was super nervous just about like being on TV and everything in general. And I was more than anything, I was nervous. Like, what if somebody is being a real dick and I just totally wuss out on like TV and I just don't <laughs> do jack shit about it. And I just like, <laughs> oh then, so I think in that moment, I like was having a lot of different feelings because it was like, oh my God, it's <laughs> day one. And this guy is a total asshole. This one guy is trying to be nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty wild. It's like, a, it was a monster adrenaline rush. And Michael, like, you know, much to your credit, you, you must have been in a, a crazy, a crazy moment trying to actually speak up right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> looking back, I kind of surprised I did it, I guess. <laughs> You're like, and I never did it again. Yeah, exactly. And ever since then, I've just been a hermit. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in these situations where like literal children are about to get into a physical fight. What are the adults on set doing? Uh, Placing intently. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, flocking, flocking. There were um, 12 different camera crews and they like covered a lot of ground. It was a pretty big set. But uh, if, if something like that, if people started yelling at each other, they would come running and uh, they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't, I don't remember really ever them uh, intervening, but maybe I also blocked that part out, Michael. Maybe you remember. Um, there's only a couple of times that I can think of specifically, and a lot of them were off camera actually, that they had to keep kids from beating the crap out of each other. Right, right. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's kind of just by almost definition that those, <laughs> those moments were off camera because. Yeah. They can't just put them on. But um, no, I, I feel like all the craziest stuff always happened while I wasn't really around. I was always doing something <laughs> else and then like heard through the grapevine or would have a producer yeah. run up to me and be like, uh, 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 Michael, something is, maybe <laughs> something's happening in the kitchen and you'd like to go check it out. And be yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess I'm going to the kitchen now. <laughs> I love like the suggestion. Like it's like a suggestion with right. like a gun to your back. Like, yeah, maybe like you would be interested in, you know, well, going and seeing what's happening there. Like it's not like everything is scripted or anything, but it, there's definitely like the little nudging like that. It's just funny yeah, how course. they try to like preserve the illusion that it's some sort of organic moment when they're like, I don't know, maybe you want to go fight with somebody because it's real boring around here. No, yeah. <laughs> I, the uh I remember like there being some like the the starts of the incidents would be organic where it's like, oh my gosh, like Greg took it upon himself to go uh, wake somebody up by like dumping two gallons of water on their head. Um, yeah. And uh, it was like, oh, that's actually, somebody's really mad right now and they're not faking it and that is not scripted. And, uh, but then the producers are like, you know what would make this moment better? Is if we made sure that every kid in the town that we could find, you know, like ran to the scene, like we yeah. better yeah. round them up. <laughs> 
let's take like a, a tween who already is like easily embarrassed <laughs> and then like make them even more embarrassed yeah. and like under pressure let's see how oh, this, to see how they react. Let's see how this 11-year-old <laughs> reacts to their uh, their debut on national television while being bullied. <laughs> well, that's also funny in that like the, I don't know, the maturity level between 8 and 15 is like pretty huge, Moss, you know, like, right. and it's, so it's very funny to mix like actual like babies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know in this situation. Yeah, no, it's, um, it was definitely, uh, being 11 years old. I felt very grown up at the time. And then by the time I was 15, looking back, watch, watching the show, I'm 23 now. And like when I was, by the time I was 15, going back to watch the show, I was like, Oh my God, I was a baby. I felt like I was, I had more in common with the nine-year-olds than I did with the 15-year-olds um, right. at that time. And you're like getting bullied by a 15-year-old and they're just like, well, you know, this is life. Yeah, this is and, life in Bonanza. Yeah. And when they when they put you in charge and you're 11 and you know that you're going to be in charge of kids up to the age of 15, you're like, well, they're just going to have to respect my authority because I'm the leader and them's <laughs> the rules. Um, and then, of course, right. day two, you've got Greg, you know, you know, pushing off on your chin and you're like how do i do this um yeah just but, oh no yeah and then when you're 15 you're looking back on it like oh my god if i rolled into town and they told me that this punk ass 11 year old is gonna be like telling me what to do I, yeah this like, like little theater no. dweeb <laughs> yeah this like awful boy scout theater dweeb who is way way too loud yeah no that's like not gonna happen <laughs> you know it was weird like the perspective came came later yeah, I I remember um, like when they first circled us all up, like around the host Jonathan. I just remember like looking at all of this and just feeling like, man, this is gonna be a long ass forty days, just because the, how bizarre it is. The um, like the forty lack days of, is a long time. It's a long time when when I think I was the fourth or third oldest person there. And it just became clear pretty soon that it's not like I had real responsibility, but at the same time, I was going to have to, like, you know, do, do more than the eight-year-old for sure. Well, and I didn't you say in your Reddit AMA that you did a few years ago that, like, the production staff would, like, sneak you iPods? <laughs> yeah, they would. There were a couple of them that would let me, like, borrow their iPods and stuff like that. That's so. Oh, that's that lucky. must have just been like such a nice like release just from all of this. Oh, yeah, totally nice so can, like, you. I didn't get any of that. I didn't get any iPods. We got plenty of food. See, though. that's the that's the disadvantage of being eleven years old at the time. <laughs> yeah, you can't see, talk to him as easy. Yeah. See, yeah. See, this is my version of like manipulating both of you to fight. It's like I'm I'm gonna bring this up, um, and then go. just walk away. Well, I remember um, the. Uh, the craft truck, especially when they like, you know, because they try and maintain the illusion, but uh, you've got, um, you know, you're getting in a truck and getting driven to what you can tell, even as an 11 year old, you can tell plainly as a movie set um, to, right. to sit you up in your interview for your confessional. And the craft truck at, we called it B Town, where all those were filmed. And it was like, you know, it was like legendary. It was like, oh, like if you're going to B Town, like, oh, dude, you got to try and get, you got to try and like grab whatever you can out of that craft truck. That was like gold. Those snacks were absolutely yeah. like lifesavers. 
The show would <laughs> the show would have been so much better if it were <laughs> if it were about kids being on a reality TV show. Right. <laughs> if they would have yeah. if they would have abstracted like one more layer, it would have been great. If it had just been a yeah, little just, like, more sort of... meta. Yeah, like about <laughs> us like trying to steal snacks and everything. Oh, dude. It's, like, so Dickensian, just, right. like, these little orphans just trying to steal food from the film crew. <laughs> oh, that was, actually, that, now that I, now that you bring it up, I'm remembering, um, actually, probably one of the best on-aired moments from the show could possibly have been when we got raided, um, and this one very mean producer um, was behind our, uh, like, Red Team's, uh, boys cabin getting raided and they found a bunch of the a bunch of those craft truck snacks uh in our trunks oh. and like hidden under our pillows and stuff like that and uh it was a sad day but uh but it was wild. Yeah, we, kind- we pressed on yeah i don't know <laughs> but the, that one that one producer from philadelphia that dude was a monumental <laughs> jackass right right so were there limits or rules as to what you guys could or could not do uh during the course of taping I can't think of any real specific guidelines we were given. You know, looking back, I'm pretty impressed by actually, like, I mean, there were definitely moments where shit got a little crazy, but for the most part, most people, like, comported themselves pretty well on the show. And I can't think of too many instances where they really had to, like, uh, like, speak one-on-one with somebody and, like, really give them some, like, prescriptive, like, you need to do this, you need to not do that. But, um, I mean, I guess I could think of instances where they probably tried to limit people's interactions if they could. Just if, it, um, if they could tell, like, oh, this is, you know, this is a conflict that probably is crossing over into territory where it's inappropriate to broadcast an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old talking this way. Um, huh. But outside hmm. of that, hmm. I can't think of too much. I, I do remember a producer told... Sophia and I, at one point, they were like, all your scenes today are going to have bleeps in them. So think about <laughs> Well, you guys are like, you guys are like the cool art kids, so oh it like God. makes sense. Yeah, these guys, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, remember to, actually... To me, I was like, old. great, now I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember being 11 and uh, the, the concept of, of swearing actually was introduced to me on Kid Nation, more or less. I, I was aware of curse words but i had never really explored their use for yeah. myself that was the fault of the and, older children yeah and it definitely <laughs> um that definitely was a uh, something where it was like you had to be careful because they would not necessarily like avoid all of the curse words like they might air a few bleeps um and it was like oh man what if my mom sees this <laughs> uh because i was 11 and i didn't think oh my mom would probably just find it hilarious or like he's in a stressful situation he can have a yeah, couple, exactly. like, <laughs> yeah. a couple okay. like, she'd probably she'd probably love it i'm trying to think i'm I'm still trying to rack my brain for like really things that we could not do specifically because like that was pretty open like kids would like kind of walk out into the there's a couple of instances where you see it on the show that kids would just walk out into the desert every <laughs> once in a while just to see if there was anything to do out there um, oh my God! Oh well, well, well most notably on the show is one point where um, the irrepressible uh, Colton goes yeah. out and meets some of the uh, cattle that are on the ranch <laughs> uh, because this is a half movie ranch, half like real working cattle ranch, and yeah. he, oh, it's actually probably one of the most 
exciting moments on the whole show is he stares down a very, very large animal, uh, like a bull or a cow, like, um, and he is staring this thing down and he jumps at it and scares it off. But it looks like it is about ah. to run him over. It is so scary. Um, and it kind of has reminded me, like, you know, they kind of really let us kind of do whatever the heck we wanted. They just mostly just wanted to limit, like, things that we talk about on camera. I oh, just, like. like, things where you're, like, calling attention to production, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big one. And um, honestly, I remember it was weirdly kind of taboo to talk about um, home. Yeah. Like, oh, that's interesting. Not yeah. surprising, but interesting. Yeah, they I, really wanted us to steer us away from like, um, you know, well, what what was home like? Like, what do you do back there and stuff? Like, well, who do you hang out with at home? Like, whatever that was for you. Like, they they really wanted it to be like. I think they just wanted us to be thinking clean slate. Like, it doesn't matter what home was like. We're all citizens of right. Bonanza City now, so. Like you don't right. like it's really not great TV to just watch all these kids sitting around talking about how much they miss their friends. How much were you allowed to um, talk to your parents? Like almost pretty much not at all. They were pretty good at limiting that. What? <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah. I did not. We did not get to talk directly to our parents. Um, you gotta drop like written notes back and forth, like um, kind of like in prison, the way they like. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay. sure, definitely. Yeah, they um they made it a a part of the prize, you know, at the end of every episode, you get the gold star and you also uh-huh. get a phone call to oh, your right, parents. Right, right. The thing that I always thought was the funniest was, yeah, that that's the time they let you talk to your parents. Like, well, right. you, <laughs> you literally got a gold trophy. It's like, well, Jimmy, your parents do love you, but you should, if you wouldn't carry that extra <laughs> bucket of water, they would have been able to tell you. <laughs> oh, oh God. But, um, yeah. The gold star thing, looking back, is just so strange to me. Extremely fucked up. I like the idea of it giving us prize money, though, rather than, like, the alternative, which I guess would have yeah. been voting us off, which yeah. might have been... It, I don't know. Like, it's a very weird thing to think about. Like, what if Kid Nation, but they vote somebody off the island at the end of every episode <laughs> right uh, yeah i feel like that would have been really cruel really messed up right i mean you guys were already going through so much it looked it seemed well it also yeah. gr- um, it cracks me up that at the end of that show they made me distribute well with the the three other council members but like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars with like no right. preparation like hey teenagers you've got this <laughs> like now <laughs> now redistribute the wealth yeah, and, it was uh, like, don't worry, we got all the oldest kids on the town council now, so, you know, they'll be good. <laughs> yeah, and they kept telling us, they kept telling us, they're like, remember, you can give it to yourselves. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like, devil on the shoulder type thing. I yeah, don't oh really God. need yeah. it. Remember, you could give it all to yourselves. Yeah, remember. <laughs> and you deserve it. When you're trying to retire, you can look <laughs> so back and remember when you could have oh brazenly God. grabbed all the money and ran from the other children. <laughs>
we've been talking a lot about like production manipulation. Mm. Um, and it's making me think of the episode where there's the garbage overflow, <laughs> um, which was sort of very manufactured, right? They, like, brought in the garbage. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but, like, there wasn't a ton of waste, and then one day they literally, like, actually trucked in waste because there wasn't enough. I, I'm having a very hazy memory of that. Yeah. They definitely had to... It was definitely like some set dressing, at least, of like the trash <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Like the the um, the I don't want to get it twisted because anytime you saw a giant stack of dishes on the show, that was very real. <laughs> like some of that filth <laughs> was some of that filth was one hundred percent real. But I want to say that the garbage episode they definitely um at least dressed the set with uh, apparent trash. It's just funny because like, it shows yeah. like it's it's such a busted premise, unfortunately, about like having kids run it because clearly they had like the garbage thing planned ahead of time. And then things were just going too well. And rather than being like, guess what? They avoided this problem. It was like, all right, now we got to like introduce some bullshit. Yeah. Right. Like these children have formed a somewhat functioning society. Like yeah. boring. How can we fuck this up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Clearly, they had to write some kind of plan. They have to have, uh, right? You know, some some new challenge for us to to overcome every day. Besides, like the actual uh, challenges, which were also <laughs> pretty freaking insane. Looking yeah, back just at it, <laughs> arbitrary physical strife. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I, so I had forgotten to mention earlier that a big factor of my parents liking the show is the fact that my mom is a huge survivor and amazing race fan and so oh. I was like, it's like i'm on survivor so i grew up being a survivor fan and those challenges were exactly like the thing i was most excited about i was like oh my god we are gonna it's gonna be just like survivor like with the challenges and the stuff and then the next thing you know i am like taking bubble gum out of my teammate's mouth and putting it in oh. my mouth to finish <laughs> chewing it so that we can do a bubble gum paint by numbers and it was hell it was terrifying. Oh, God. So how was life after you guys were both done with the show? Yeah, I'm also wondering, like, do you guys get recognized ever from this thing that you did, like this weird experiment you did 11 years ago? Um, I, I never do because my my hair is so much shorter now. And that's <laughs> that was a pretty big uh, distinguishing factor for me. There was actually a window of time where... I wasn't allowed to cut my hair because I had to, like, keep it. I don't know. They wanted me recognizable for a window of time, so that was a really strange phase. Yeah, we had to do some publicity stuff um, in, like, the yeah. subsequent year after we like, filmed the show. No major physical alterations, which for me was I had to keep the keep the shag. But um, <laughs> but post, post-Kid Nation has been, like, Pretty cool because now it it just has regressed this like cool anecdote I have that doesn't really it only has as much bearing on my life now as really I let it because I have to like bring it up because nobody's really going to mention it. But then there are situations <laughs> where like last year I was uh, working at like just a small little bar in Seattle and there was a regular who I was like super good friends with after a while and 
I think we had been like talking for like six months or something like that. And then he out of the blue mentioned that he like wrote a paper about this absurd reality show. Whoa. Yeah. When he was like, was in college. So now every now and then I get these like great scenarios where abruptly somebody at a party will be like, has anybody ever heard of this really like messed up show? And that's the, (laughs) that's the absolute best when somebody brings that up. That's nice. Oh yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I have had, um, Similar things where, like, at least, yeah, right after it happened, I got, um, I got recognized occasionally. Um, you know, like I said, we got to do some publicity stuff. Um, and that was very different. It was like, wow, like I'm getting flown down to Hollywood and stuff. And the coolest thing that I ever got to do was be on Ellen. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot me you and got Sophia, to be on Ellen. Me and That's Sophia amazing. got to be, yeah, Sophia and I got to be on the Ellen show. And I'm super that, jealous. That's of awesome. That. It was completely surreal. I cannot tell you. Like it was that was way cooler than the actual show. Um <laughs> <laughs> and people people should interview you about that, right? Oh my we, gosh, that yeah. was amazing. She's wonderful. One of the other cool things that happened to me was a producer named Gen. Um he uh felt very bad that I didn't win a gold star. He like personally thought was like had been rooting for me, or at least huh. that's what he said. Aww. That's what he told that's me. Cool. And uh, and I was like, well, that's really cool. I appreciate that. And he was like, listen, I want to make it up to you, and I have the power. So I wanted to know if you and your mom and your brother wanted to come down and sit with me at the uh, at the Survivor Live finale. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> so oh my cool. god! That's nice. And since then, it's just every once in a while at a party, somebody's like. Wait, wait a second. Are you? <laughs> were you on? Are you Mike from Kid Nation? I loved that <laughs> show, and it, and yeah. it usually goes from there. And that's like you know that happens every couple of months or when you meet new people, and that's pretty that's much fun. all. Yeah, that's pretty much all I get anymore from it. Well, I mean, and it's funny because like. Pardon me, but I like scoped your Instagram and like you <laughs> oh, like God. look very different and Pardon very much me. like blossomed into like a very handsome young man. It's funny to me that people would be like, oh, are you that like little shrimp? You know, like. Uh, well, yeah, that was funny because like I remember when I was probably 14 and I stopped wearing glasses for a portion of my teenage life. And I kind of got taller and hit puberty and that kind of thing. And people stopped recognizing me. And I went from, like, mm. being that guy, like, that recognizable guy. Everybody remembers him from Kid Nation to, uh, you know, the cowboy hat and the glasses. And it was just like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> like, now I get to be, uh, it's like, for me, at the time, it was very relieving. It was like, whew, like, thank yeah. God. Yeah, oh, I got to. I'm, I'm someone different now. Stuff. Also, for the record, I did not mean to sexually harass you. I just <laughs> tried to compliment you. No, okay. I'm way too old. For you, so it's don't true. worry. No, don't it's you guys true. sweat it. I, uh, <laughs> it was okay. Um, would either one of you ever go on another reality TV show if offered the opportunity? Uh, yeah, totally. I would be oh, on yeah. Survivor nice. in a heartbeat. Why in not? I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like Kid Nation, if anything, has made me realize that I can bounce in and out like a yeah. like a ghost or a phantom. And That's right. One day in, the next day out, and nobody hears from me again. <laughs> uh, no, but but in all honesty, it's it, for for as crazy as it was and like as wild of an idea and as hairy mm-hmm. of a situation as it is being in like a really weird reality TV show when you're 14. A, a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff, like the wake of it is what you make out of it. 
And I, mm-hmm, and I feel like totally. if, if you go crazy and, you know, nowadays, like, parade yourself around social media and try right. to, like, pick fights with other reality TV show stars, like, sure, yeah, that seems sure. like hell. But, but like, yeah. everybody's attention is so willy-nilly these days that you could Very you true. could hop on and hop off and people will forget within, in, within in like a month. Instant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and also we're getting to the point where, like, at, I don't know, in 10 years, like, every single one of us will have been on a reality TV show. I was just about That's to say true. the same thing. We're like, I have a coworker that was on a reality TV show now. And it's like, nice. pretty soon these people are just going to be everywhere. Where it's like, what, what weird show were you on? I have this dream. Okay. And that is Survivor. Survivor Kid nice. Nation. Yeah, but everybody, everybody wants it, Mike. But, but here's the thing about Survivor. It would be way better if it was also Kid Nation. Where are they now? That would be fucking incredible. Like, let's get um, let's get sixteen of us off of Kid Nation. Like, you know, just pick cherry pick them. You know, me, Michael, Sophia, a couple other ones that like got a lot of you know whatever. Like, made a strong impression. Whoever you whoever you want to cast, and we do Survivor. If the disgraced Les Moonves is listening to this, <laughs> we can we can bring him back. Our loyal listener, Les Moonves. Yeah. that would be an incredible program. Yeah, that is, I think would do really well. CBS needs to pivot away. They need a new story rather than their creepy ass old boss. So I feel like we should be wrapping this up fairly soon. But um, I just want to ask, and this is a pretty obvious question, but um, you're both still in touch with Taylor, right? <laughs> Um, no, not really. Nope. I'm just kidding. Oh, th- boy. A small joke. Um, I love to just, like, rag on someone who's 10, you know? Right. <laughs> Whose only memory is you, of you, you have of her as being 10. Yeah, she's a 10-year-old. It's like, she I, I, always, well. I do always love seeing, like, whenever there's an internet comment, it's like people don't realize that, you know, when you really rag on an 11-year-old and tear into him, it also reflects pretty poorly on you sometimes. It does. It's <laughs> true. Okay, Michael. I don't need your judgment. No, you know what? Uh, we're, I mean, we're on the show, right, is to rag on our 11-year-old selves. Yes. I mean, to be correct. fair, also, you could pivot to the other side and say, like, also maybe don't give people so much to rag on because there's, like, there was a oh, wealth of material there for sure. That's a lot. No, this is, I I mean, I am the one who deserves judgment. No doubt about it. I also, like, haven't forgotten this reality show for 11 years because it made such an impression on me, so. Quite resonant. Is there anything that you guys want to add? Uh, I would hate to, like, silence the voices of two Michaels. I don't know. <laughs> Let me just say that even if we were uh, exploited, um, which <laughs> looking back, I'm pretty sure we were to some point. Sure. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't, you know, it's definitely not something that I regret. It was definitely my memories are hazy, but overwhelmingly pretty, pretty positive, honestly. And sometimes it sucked, but it was, uh, it was really, really fascinating all the time. So I'm glad we did it. Yeah, yeah. I I guess to piggyback off that, the thing that I would say is that I do think the executive producer who, at least to my knowledge, kind of brainstormed and led the charge on most of the things, Tom Foreman. Foreman. I think he did have a pretty... um, I, I, I do think he really wanted to make something that was optimistic and kind of forward thinking 
and not overly exploitative. I don't think that was ever his intent yeah. intent at all. And, um, you know, especially, like, over the past week in just the past couple of years, I do think there's, like, there's kind of a touching idea at the heart of Kid Nation, which is just, just that, you know, there are there's an aspect to younger people that is sometimes refreshing. I think you saw it in, like, the Parkland children most recently. Uh, they're not really yeah. children. They're absolutely adults in how they conduct themselves. And Yeah, you know, more than a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, so when you look at this past week and you think about, you know, the spoiled assholes who may or may not become Supreme Court justices and throw tantrums in the middle of the floor, you can remember that, like, you know, there's a point in time where, like, there's there were some eleven year olds out in a New Mexico desert that managed to handle themselves a little bit better under yeah. scrutiny as well, and uh, yeah. I, I think that's important to remember. <laughs> we're both like weeping. Yeah, we're both like clutching our hearts. <laughs> this is what yeah, he does, was, man. This is how he does it. You see, that he's was still really doing nice. It. Thank you. Still doing. <laughs> it's been yeah. such a long fucking week, and no, we're like a little has. closer in age, so I feel much more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have my This has info. to end <laughs> Mike and Michael, you were both absolute delights. A dream. I'm really excited that you guys were willing to talk to us because this, I think, has uh, been such a good discussion. Um, Michael, I'll call you later. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thanks so much. Hey, um, um, I, I promised I promised my girlfriend, Courtney, I'll I would say this. Um, fuck <laughs> Donald Trump, and uh, we don't like him. So uh, just uh, I had to get that on the... Uh, put that one down to the record right. so thank you thank for, you, thank you for okay mike you're winning you're winning me back oh, <laughs> and then thank i'll you. throw out there yes. for uh my girlfriend tika it was all in jest it was never a real thing that was going on here oh my god oh my god <laughs> <laughs> okay okay guess what guys i have a boyfriend too all right. so everybody you're not the only one okay that's good no, thanks i'm so sorry much, i'm guys. sorry this Tika. Really, really i'm sorry fun. you know we we said it was great those heady days when we were kids and getting asked to do stuff for kid nation but this is like this blew my mind like that somebody still wants to talk to me about kid nation so thank you yeah, very for much sure. Thank you so much for listening to DirtCast, and thank you very much to Mike Kling and Michael Tote. This episode was produced by Rachel Withers and was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Maja Nemofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. If you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com. You can find us on Spotify, NPR One, and anywhere else you get your podcasts, and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 